0: This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Zephyr CMS. It's a modern cloud-based CMS system that's licensed only to agencies. You can find them at ZephyrCMS.com. More about this later in the show. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John and My guest today is Joel Goldberg. He is a speaker, MC, and a television announcer with 25 years or so under his belt. The last 12 with the Kansas City Royals. So we're going to talk today about lessons learned in sports that translate to business. So Joel, thanks for
1: joining me. Thanks for having me, John.
0: So I have to tell you, first off, um, you know, a lot of my listeners know that I'm in Kansas City and that I'm a Kansas City Royals fan, that I got a solid single off of Monty uh, at Fantasy Camp. And every time I see you guys back up there in left field, I let him know it.
1: Yeah, well, Come by again next year, and we'll really let him know it. Because um, he's, uh, you know, the good news is he's pretty humble. The reality of it is, if he threw you a legitimate slider, you you wouldn't have had a chance. I wouldn't have a chance.
0: Oh, I think that I think that thing he threw to me might have reached sixty five miles an hour. Um, I mean, it was <laughs> it, it had some heat behind it.
1: Yes, yeah, some, some some true heat. Isn't it quite the reminder of how even when we think we have talent along those lines, that, that we're not we're not close. <laughs> Never have been.
0: No, no. But, but uh, to your point, he is a, a fine human being as well.
1: The best. I and I, I'll, I'll tell you. I mean, you know, he's, he's been my broadcast partner for better part of ten years, and I, I've, I still haven't had a bad day with him. And that's really hard to say. I mean, you, you can't. Most people can't say that about their spouse, their relatives, anybody. But um, that's just life. I, I, I've never had a moment where I'm like, oh, what this guy. It, it's a, and I travel with them and hang out with them and and the whole works. I mean that, that's a former you know, three time All Star, all time saves leader for the organization, and you'd never know it.
0: Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. Nice. He looks uh, looks like he could still go out there and throw it a little bit too. He keeps himself in great shape, doesn't he?
1: Yeah, better than than his partner, <laughs> but it, it is amazing. You know when 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 the team struggles and they go through their cycles like everybody else and bullpen struggling, inevitably there will always be someone. Fan that walks by and says, "You ready to go?" And you know he's fifty-seven years old now. And and I think the the response usually is, "I'm done." Every now and then, there's "Eh, maybe I can help a little bit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk. We're we're obviously going to talk about uh, um, some of the leadership and culture stuff that you're working on these days. But uh, um, maybe give people a little bit of insight into you know I'm sure a lot of people think oh baseball announcer what a glamorous life and glamorous you know world and and in many ways it probably is a dream job but um Mm -hmm. it's probably a grind at times too i mean i know the baseball players talk talk about you know the 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 months and months and months of of travel and season and you you, uh you kind of experience that as well don't you
1: I, i experience every bit of it minus the physical part that that they experience but but i'm pretty sure that we we experience the same mental grind and i I think it's a grind because there's just no let up. And when I moved to Kansas City in 2008, I I had come from a job where I was a year-round salaried employee in television and now essentially I'm a I'm a freelance um, you know reporter, TV host working a full year's worth of work in 6 months. And you know, on a good month you have 3 or 4 days off. But there are stretches, and thankfully, for the baseball union, for the players, they can't play 30 straight days, but I think it's 20 something they're allowed. So there are stretches where you might work 20 straight days, get a day off and then go another 15 in a row. And you know, for me, what I learned, it helps when you're doing what you love. and you know, they're paying me to talk about baseball and travel on charter flights and, and all that stuff in nice hotels. But um, you've got to pace yourself because if you don't, and that's what I learned early take deep breaths and, you know, take time for yourself and then your family, when you have that is that you're going to, you're going to get to June and be ready for the season to end. And, and there's no break outside of a four day all-star break in July, there is no relief in sight. And so that's the grind. But, but again, I I don't say that asking for people to feel sorry for me because I'm living my, my dream and my passion. I think that the one that people would empathize the most with is that it's, it can be very challenging and tough being away from family and, Kids and missing events and all that type of stuff.
0: Yeah, spend a lot of time on the road. So there have mm-hmm. been many people that I mean, obviously the analogies of you know sports to business is you know they're 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 so rich, but in a lot of ways, would uh, a sports teams like a little mini business, isn't? I mean, it's not even mini. I mean, it's it is a sort of um, you know odd shaped business,
1: isn't it? One hundred percent. And I'll take it a step further, John the, the big I mean, the, there's plenty of business in every sports franchise at every level, from you know the 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 corporate sales and the suites or the the tickets to the um, you know marketing and you know on and on, right? I mean that that in itself is is the big business. But if you just look at a major league baseball clubhouse or any locker room in professional sports, to me, it is very much a microcosm of any business because you have different personalities. you have diversity you have different roles. I mean, not every team is going to have 25 superstars. Not every team is going to have everybody being the top salesperson. And, and and to make it work and to make it mesh and the amount of leadership and determination and um, skill and passion and all of it, 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 to me, what I've learned in my last three years as a speaker, it's very similar. It is very similar. It just happens to be In a world where there's a lot of spotlight on them,
0: yeah, and I think probably a different element is a a lot of businesses can think in terms of wins and losses, but probably not in the dramatic fashion every day, (laughs) you know that that a sports team might experience. Uh, How would you say that that you know that element of managing the wins and losses, the emotional roller coaster, the sort of ultimate, you know, did we make it to the the World Series? I mean, how does that parallel um, a traditional business in your opinion?
1: It's all process based. In the end, you're going to be measured by your wins and losses, your final sales numbers, um, your your goals. But what does it take to get there and and all the things behind the scenes and progress that oftentimes doesn't show up in the numbers that that may show up two years down the road, three years down the road? I think what I love most about baseball, and I love all the sports, I've always been a guy, and i covered a lot of other sports over the years, still a little bit of hockey, but is whatever sport I'm in is my favorite. I just – I like them all growing up. So baseball is my favorite because I've been nonstop in that for 12 years. Uh, but baseball is different than the other sports. And I'm not saying that they work any harder. Um, that, that's not it. But when you have a bad day in baseball, you go for four, you strike out four times, you give up three home runs as a pitcher, whatever it might be. You got to come back and do it again tomorrow and the next day and the next day. In football, for better or worse, you're going to sit on it for a week. You're going to work and build up to that. But but this whole baseball thing is very much representative to me of the real world, because it doesn't stop. And you have a bad day at the office, a bad day at home. You still have to answer the call the next day. If you're lucky, you get a weekend off. And so that to me is, and if you think about in the course of a baseball season, uh, if ultimately you're measured by did you win the championship or not, then 29 teams out of 30 in baseball are going to be failures. Um, that those odds aren't very good. You know the Kansas City Royals. Finally, won a world championship. Hey, they got more world championships than the Yankees in the last ten years. Um, that doesn't mean that they've been a better team. But how do you measure success beyond just winning that championship? Are you growing? Are you getting better? And I think to me, that's very much like most companies that that know that they're they're not going to suddenly be what they want tomorrow. It is a very long process.
0: So there's a lot of um, a lot of talk, and I think when the Royals won in 2015, there was a lot of talk about how the culture of the organization, maybe carried them, you know, to a place where purely the talent couldn't. But then there's also a lot of naysayers to that idea. Um, And I think the same is true in business. There are a lot of folks that are very, you know, bottom line, here are the numbers. And there's a lot of people that know this is a place where people want to work how do you, how do you, I know you talk about culture a lot. Um, and and so I guess I, I could ask this sort of a multi-part question. What role do you think culture plays in a sports team? Uh, what role did you think it played in the, you know, the the excellence that the Royals were able to achieve in uh, the mid-2000s?
1: Well, I think in terms of the Royals and certainly smaller market teams, it's huge. If, if they want it to be huge. I know that the the group here that built this team, they just changed ownership. You know that. But um, they, they still have the same general manager in place, and there's a, an incredible consistency to that of, of having a general manager that has been here since 2006. That's pretty hard to do in sports. Well,
0: and not not just one who's more. been here a long time. I mean, one who puts uh, v- vocally puts culture out there, you know, ahead of a lot of things. every.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Every, and, and I'll give you a few examples, John. I, you know, culture. The, the first time I ever met Dayton Moore was 2007. I was in visiting. I was working in St. Louis that year. And so I was in visiting with the Cardinals, which doesn't make people happy in Kansas City, big rivalry there. And uh, and I walked in, I introduced myself to Dayton Moore. I knew he was the new GM. And I said, What are you trying to build here? And he said, I'm trying to build a championship culture. And and I said, Well, what do you mean by that? And he said, I'm not talking about the twenty-five players in the locker room. I'm I'm talking about the ticket takers and the vendors and 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 the scouts and and people outside of the the building and and the fans and not just fans in Kansas City, but the region and you know, one of the things I always like to say is that that showed up in the form of a big picture of 800,000 people gathered around for a parade. That was everyone included in that. But to me, what Dave Moore has told me is that that culture is a focus of theirs every single day, how you treat people, how, the, how you roll off the red carpet when a new player, even if he's not a star, comes in. He says to me all the time, you're part of the culture. People see your face and, and, and hear your voice. And so, so you're involved in it, too. And People are more likely to stop me in the street in Kansas City than the twenty fourth guy on the roster because maybe that guy hasn't been here very long and I have, and so it all feeds together. If you're the, I don't know, if you're the New York Yankees, the Boston Red Sox, Los Angeles Dodgers, any of those deep pocket, think about in terms of companies, and I don't know if it's fair to call the Yankees Amazon, but um, they can afford to get it wrong at times, and I think that in a smaller market it becomes a competitive advantage to be able to focus on people and to be able to focus on culture. That's what I've seen. It doesn't mean that just good guys finish last or good guys finish first. In this case, you have to have talent. But if you can't compete for the top, top, top talent, or, and let's be honest, these owners all have plenty of money, right? The Royals were just sold for a billion dollars. They could go out there and afford any player. The difference from them and the Yankees, like the Yankees just, just signed Garrett a $324 million deal, which is insane. If it doesn't work, they've got a higher credit card limit than everyone else. It might cost them some luxury tax dollars, but they'll go out there and find someone else. The the Royals, if they go and make and and fill in the blank, the Royals, the Twins, the Brewers, the Cardinals, Pirates, the smaller market teams, if they go out there and attempt to buy a player like that and it doesn't work, they got nothing left. So they have to be able to win with character, developing talent, which is cheaper to do that, and find those competitive advantages.
0: You know, today, content is everything. So our websites are really content management systems, but they've got to work like one. Check out Zephyr. It is a modern cloud-based CMS system that's licensed only to agencies. It's really easy to use. It's very fast. It won't mess with your SEO. I mean, it really reduces the time and effort to, to launch uh, your client's websites. Beautiful themes, just really fast, fast profitable way to go. They include an agency services to really kind of make a, them your plug and play dev shop. Check out Zephyr.com. That is Z-E-P-H-Y-R-C-M-S.com. So what are the elements then uh, when you go out and talk to business leaders as you do today, uh, what are some of the elements then that that you emphasize as parts of building a, a championship culture?
1: Well, first and foremost, the number one, number one word or, or topic along with culture that I talk about is building trust and and, and trust really on multiple levels, building trust within an organization. And again, I mean, I got back to talking about diversity. You go into a baseball clubhouse and guaranteed that you'll have American players guaranteed. You'll have Dominican players. Um, There's a good chance you'll have some Venezuelans, maybe some Cubans, uh, Puerto Rican, Mexican, maybe Japanese, Korean. You've got to find a way to make that work. And so To me, when you could build that trust within each other, and that doesn't start, by the way, in the Major League Clubhouse. So the Royals have lost over 100 games each of the last two years, and people say, oh, they're back to where they were before. And my argument is that in terms of wins and losses, yes, but all of these young players that are coming up through their system were able to watch the way when the guys won here, the way things were done. They saw it from afar. They saw it in spring training. I always say that, that when a team has a culture, you could put their franchise name and the word way after it, the Cardinal way, the Yankee way. There was no Royals way when I got here in 2008. There is now a Royals way of doing things the way players, the fundamentals they work on, the attention, the detail, and the way they go about that. And that's all been passed on. So when kids are getting up here now at 22, 25 years old, this is how we do it. And so they, they still have that culture. You build that trust within the organization. And I'll give you this example. They just hired a new manager, Mike Nafini. He had spent the last year in the organization working throughout the minor leagues. He's already built relationships and trust with all these prospects. When they get here, there will be an understanding. To take that a step further, I was told that the day that he got hired as the manager, long day, press conference, all the meet and greets and everything. By the time his head had hit the pillow, he had reached out by phone and was able to contact by phone 39 of the 40 players on their roster that, that are on their 40-man Major League accessible roster, and he spent the last, I think, month just traveling around the country connecting with guys over coffee or lunch, so that on day one, there already is trust. To me, it all starts with trust with each other, and that's what I do every day, John. I mean, I, I, the end result is the interview and, and, and you know, the, the the product that we see on TV. I'm spending every day trying to earn these guys' trust to be able to get a better interview, to be able to get access, and so that's what I'm doing and building these relationships. I, I mean, I don't care what business you're in, sports included. It still comes down to people every single day. It's a huge part of the culture.
0: Okay, here's the most important question: Does Gordon? Okay, does Gordon come back?
1: I I would be shocked if he didn't. And you know, Alex Gordon really is the franchise player, not in terms of their best player anymore. Um, there, there are lessons, by the way, with him too. Phenomenal leader. He's oftentimes the most quiet guy in the room. But, you know, he he he's the only guy here that was here as a player when I got here. And and he made his debut in two thousand seven. He's kind of that sage guy in the clubhouse now. He still is a good player. Um his contract was up. He doesn't want to go anywhere else. He's a Midwest guy, grew up three hours, three and a half hours away in Lincoln, Nebraska, um, raising his kids here. They're in school now, married, all, all that beautiful family. Um, it's one of two choices. He'll either retire and go coach his kids. He's made plenty of money, or he'll come back. Uh, I, I would be stunned if he wasn't back. I really would.
0: So I, I hate to derail our conversation about <laughs> about leadership, <laughs> but, but 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 I just can't help band. it. Yeah. So so what do the Royals have to do to to make him feel like they want him to come back? I mean, I, I I know he and Dayton have a good relationship. I know he he wants to keep playing if he thinks he can play at the level he's supposed to. Do the Royals have? Is there are they obligated in some ways to make a gesture? of a certain amount?
1: Maybe. I I mean, I I think from a number standpoint, it'll just be one of those things where I'm guessing here, but uh, it'll be one of those things where they're, they're not going to want the most ridiculous discount ever that they disrespect him. And he's not going to want the most ridiculous amount of money that he disrespects them. They understand that there's a level of respect that they need to show him and vice versa. Uh, I, I think more than anything, first off, I, I, I feel like his decision could already be made. And I don't know that. I mean, I, I did talk to him recently intentionally that didn't come up. He's not going to tell me. Um, so I, I, you know, I tried to read the tea leaves. It, it, it gives me no equity to try to push on things that I'm not going to get an answer to. So you, you dig around a little bit and you talk to people that are close and all that. And I, I think for me, other than the fact that there were so many conversations that I would have with him last year, um, you know, away from the field. Where he'd talk about, you know, we need to do this, we need to do that, and I always thought the "we" part was interesting, almost, yeah, and, and that might just be semantics. But I just think that they need to show him that they're on the right path, that, and they're they're not going to, with a new owner, suddenly just flip a switch and say we're going to go buy everything and the heck with the process. Let's just let's just they're not a cutting corners type of organization. I don't think that'll suddenly happen. I just feel like he's going to need to be taken care of from a respectful standpoint. They will. He's got a phenomenal relationship with the organization and the GM. And then just have a feeling that they're trying to advance this in the right direction. And then once that happens, I think he fully understands his place in helping advance it. Yeah. Almost becomes another coach on the field. He is. There's And beyond that, too, just real quick, because um, it is important for culture, too and I speak about this a lot, is that the organization will take his work ethic, what he does in the weight room, with his health, the way he's eating. They won't tell guys never eat a carb and sugar. Nobody's going to do that except for Alex Gordon. But um, they'll, they'll watch the way he goes about batting practice at the plate. But before he goes to the plate, the way he shags fly balls like it's a live game situation, they'll take video of that and they will show it to the young guys as young as 16, 17 years old in the minor leagues and say, this is the royal way. This is the way we do things. He has a major impact on all that. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I, I selfishly hope he comes back uh, so that we get to watch him for another year. I,
1: well, I, I, I do too. And my selfishness is more than yours because I feel like I've watched him grow up on a personal level, you know, and I've, I've watched him raise his kids and, and marry his wife and all of that. And, and he's just, he's one of my favorite people in the world. And a lot of media stays away from him. They, they all get along with him. He's just a little bit more introverted, a little bit more quiet. But when you get to know him, he's funny, he's thoughtful, he's respectful, and and it's one of the things that I really enjoy is the relationship that I've been able to build with him. And I know that once he's gone, I'll, I won't have that in terms of the baseball setting.
0: Yeah, his personality <clears throat> reminds me a lot of Salvi,
1: kind of, doesn't it? Oh uh, no, no, I meant I meant that completely <laughs> facetious. I know you, I know you did. I, I was with you on that one. Um, but I will tell you this. I mean, there there is a, a really short message there. Two guys that can lead and do it with extroverted and, and a bit of a, more of an introverted um, personality. And they're both really effective the way they do it.
0: Well, and I think from a culture standpoint, um, one of the things that a lot of organizations want, you, you talked about the diversity in baseball. I think a lot of organizations lack that diversity to, to their detriment. Um, and, and that's, I think that's another great lesson from kind of the team concept of, of diversity. I think a lot of, you know, I, I won't say it's forced in baseball, but it, it happens because of the nature of the game. Um, and and I think there's a great lesson in that for organizations because that those two styles of leadership we just talked about, you know, everybody, the whole organization benefits from the fact that those two styles are there.
1: And 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 there are more than those two styles too. It just it's finding people that have a passion for whether it's the game or that profession that have a that have a passion for whatever that why is and. You know that's the one thing that the Royals have done really well in recent years is that they go out there and find people that that love to play the game, they are good people, and you know sometimes it's easy to just go for the the best talent out there and say you know what you, you get sucked into that talent and you you start to ignore some of those other little things that again a smaller organization can't afford to ignore.
0: So Joel, I know you have a podcast called Rounding the Bases. You hinted to, you're working on a book, <laughs> which uh, will be great, I think, for your your career um, in the leadership field? Um, tell people where they can find out more about you.
1: So certainly on all the social media spots, I think Twitter, it's Goldberg KC. And then all the other ones, it's Joel Goldberg KC, some version of that. On uh, I post a lot of content on, on LinkedIn and Instagram. And Twitter is more of a baseball thing for me. Um, Facebook, certainly Facebook business page or whatever they call that nowadays. I've got a website, joelgoldbergmedia.com. And I'm still learning every day. I've been doing this speaking thing for three years. It's kind of become a, uh, not just a side hustle, but, but my other main business and, and getting in front of all types that want to learn about culture, um, through story, story driven story, telling messages and strategy. And, um, I've got the bug, I've got the entrepreneurial bug. Uh, I don't know what took me so long to get there, but now it's, it's one of those things. And I think I told you before that, that I wake up every day learning something new and it's it's awesome, it's a lot of fun.
0: And I tell people being an entrepreneur is the greatest self-development program ever created. <laughs>
1: oh, it, it Well, it, it is and I, I I never knew that but it's made me a better person, it's made me a better listener, it's made me more curious, it, it's made me understand that I don't know anything, everything that I do know, there's so much more to know but but more than that, it's made me a better a better television host and reporter because i go to the stadium now every day more curious about what's going on you know where's the leadership looking like the culture why are they doing this how does this come about how are these guys meshing what did you like about him and so i i I totally agree with you on that i never thought of myself as an entrepreneur before i guess because i wasn't i was a tv guy and now suddenly there's something out there if you take you know what it is Becoming an entrepreneur to me was taking off blinders and just seeing more of what's out there, more of what's in front of you, and to the side, and it never stops. Yeah, it's
0: easy to easy to get very much in your lane. So, well, so Joel, thanks mm-hmm. for stopping by the the duct tape marketing podcast, and hopefully, uh, we'll we'll give you a shout out when uh, I'm uh, out there at the fountains at the K.
1: Yeah, no, for sure, do that. I know I'm going to have you on my podcast soon, and you could you could taunt Jeff Montgomery. But as I told the previous owner, David Glass, who used to blame both of us for all the losses, I said, he's a Royals Hall of Famer. Just blame me, OK? I'll take it.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much, Joel.
1: All right. Thanks, John.